0: Hi, welcome to Scattered. We're a group of friends from the same church who are serving God in different countries and we're meeting online to chat through books of the Bible, chapter by chapter. We'd love you to join us.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Scattered. Today we're going to be looking at the last study in the series of Uncover. So last week we looked at, in detail over the arrest and death of Jesus and today we're going to have a look at what happens next. So today we're looking at chapter 24 um, at verses 1 to 49 and um, we're going to break them down into three sections and just have a look at each section in a bit more detail. Could one of you ladies summarize um, the first section, which is verse 1 to verse 12?
2: Yeah, so at the beginning of this section, so it says on the first day of the week, which will be, I guess, what we would have said as Sunday, as in he was put to death on the Friday and now it's the Sunday. um, The women go to the tomb. Uh, to see Jesus, to um, take spices and put them on his body, which was something that they would have done in those days um, as the body starts to decompose. And when they go, Jesus is not there. But instead, there's these two men who are shining um, very brightly. I guess we're meant to think that they're angels. And they tell the woman that he's risen and kind of say, do you remember he told you he was, you know, going to... Um, rise again and then they remembered so they go back run back and tell the rest of the gathered kind of disciples and other people um, and then Peter decides to go and see for himself so he runs to the tomb and he finds it empty but he sees the strips of linen lying there which would have been part of the burial process of Jesus kind of wrapping him up so they are lying there and he leaves the tomb
0: wondering to himself it says in verse 12
1: from from the section, what evidence is there that he is risen? Well, there is no body for a start
0: and no body was ever produced. Mm. Mm.
2: That's true. And also there's two men there who say, you know, he is not here. He has risen. So, you know, what they're seeing with their own eyes is confirmed by these two kind of ethereal presences. Who confirm it and point them to the fact that Jesus Himself said that He He would rise again. So it's kind of like many layers to this kind of confirmation that He isn't there and He's risen again. Um, And I guess as well, there's the linen. So when Peter goes, there's actually linen there, which would have been the linen that that Jesus was wrapped in. So again, it's not that somebody's taken the body. Um, and put it somewhere else because no one would have unwrapped the body so for some reason there's linen there which means that the body's gone um, in another kind of way
0: yeah and Luke reinforces that doesn't he he says it was this is who it was it was Mary Magdalene it was Joanna it was Mary the mother of James he says that in verse 10 it's not like he's like oh some women who I've lost track of now and they I don't know where they are they say they saw this and that the linen was there it's If you want to, I mean, some of these people were still probably still alive, maybe. I don't know, when when Luke was writing this. And so some people were probably able to go and chat to these women if they wanted to. Mm. So tell me what it is you saw. And I love that thing that the linen was left in the tomb. Because I mean, if you're going to steal a body under cover of darkness, are you really going to take the time to unwrap and then carefully fold the linen Mm. (laughs) and put it on where the body was? seems a little far-fetched to me
2: and I love as well that Luke doesn't shy away from how it exactly happened because you know if you're gonna in those days and this isn't my personal opinion but in those days the testimony of women didn't mean very much I mean I think in court you would need at least two women to make some kind of witness statement like it was never just taken as one person's one woman. Telling the truth, it always has to be more than one. So, like, it's interesting that Luke chooses that the first witnesses that he's going to write down about. He could have just said, "Oh, Peter went to the tomb," but he he writes down that these women went to the tomb, and they saw uh, for themselves what had happened, and they then go back and tell the disciples and yeah i think in a way it kind of increases in my mind the reliability of this because if he had wanted to convince lots of people of something that wasn't true i think he would have said you know these men saw him and these men saw him i don't necessarily think he would have chosen to
1: write about the women yeah because even the disciples didn't believe the women <laughs> and mm. they were with jesus and they even heard you know the the women would have recounted what the angels said to them and they would have said to the disciples don't you remember jesus said that on the third day he would rise Mm. and so it's it's interesting that even the disciples see these women before them and they're like oh they're crazy (laughs) you know we we don't believe what they have to say
0: it's interesting isn't it that it's only peter who goes to check they don't believe them but it's only peter who goes to check who's like oh there might be something in this I don't know what you guys thought about that I thought
1: it was quite damning on the other disciples yeah <laughs> but it's interesting because Peter uh Peter goes away just thinking to himself what has happened he doesn't even he isn't like oh he's alive he's alive <laughs> he's still he's still pondering isn't he and still working things out but I think that's
0: almost more evidence for the resurrection being true and having occurred because later these guys are willing to die for something that they are initially skeptical
1: of and then become convinced by Mm. great um let's have a look at the next section now then can someone summarize verses 13 to 35
0: Uh, on the very day that uh the section 1 to 12 happened Uh, There's a couple of disciples walking away from Jerusalem, where everything's occurred, towards a village called Emmaus, on the Emmaus Road. Uh, And they're talking about everything that happened when Jesus comes to them. And they have this interaction with Jesus um, as they're walking and eventually invite him to stay with them, which he does. Uh, And he then breaks bread with them and where they are and their eyes are open and they recognize who he is and suddenly say to each other my goodness didn't we feel the difference when we were talking to him on the road and yet we didn't recognize who he was and then
1: Jesus disappears yeah so in the in the passage it mentions that um one of the people is Cleopas and there's like some debate or uncertainty to who the other person could be. It could have been his wife or it could have been someone else. What might have been going on in their minds as they were walking away? I find it interesting that they are
2: walking away. like they that morning, they've realized that um, Jesus' body is no longer in the tomb. Um, I guess like it says in the text, um, they're talking uh, and discussing these things with each other. Um, They, like verse 17, their faces are downcast. They're very discouraged and I guess maybe even scared about what's just happened. Like the the leader of their movement, um, their hope and everything has just been crushed. And so they are, they're leaving and I just wonder whether, yeah, they're afraid and people are just like, OK, I'm going to go back to my hometown and just kind of maybe pretend none of this happened. And, you know, like it's almost this dispersion of people after a really awful, tragic thing's happened.
0: It's important to remember, isn't it, that as they're thinking about what's gone on, that they're, it's not just the hope of them being in the right that's, that's faded. It's their hope of a restored Israel Hmm. and so it's not just a personal hope it's a hope for their nation and at the time I'm sure they were really traumatized you know there were several other messianic movements that happened at the time where people sort of came up and were like I'm the messiah and they died and their movement just crashed and burned and so it must have been really traumatizing to, the, to these disciples, to these followers of Jesus to think, oh my goodness, all of this and our hopes of our restored Israel have been crushed.
1: So, they're, so they're, they continue on their journey and they're like pretty sad and downcast and someone who's Jesus joins them on their walk. And I find it interesting because straight away we're told but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And then we see this interaction between um, Jesus and them in quite a lot of detail. Um, So, yeah, I think we get a taste of what's going on in their minds. So what things stood out to you in this, in this interaction between them?
0: Uh, I have a question about verse 16 where it says, but their eyes were kept from recognising him. What do you guys think um, did that? Because I think it's quite a broad
1: statement, quite open to interpretation, I think. What did you guys think? So a couple of times in the same book, um, Luke writes about different people having their eyes kept from recognising and each time it's sort of assumed that it's, it's God that's stopping them from seeing who it is that's in front of them. So I guess, yeah, I don't know if it's just his physical appearance and his voice, but something that meant that they weren't actually seeing who it was that was with them. Yeah, because that, I
2: don't think it's in this gospel, but in one of the gospels, Mary doesn't recognize him, does she, at first. Mm. So it's almost like this, maybe it might be something to do with our resurrection bodies and the fact that they're the same, but also different um, in some ways. Or it might just be the fact that the Holy Spirit didn't open their spiritual eyes at that point. Um, Later, I mean, we're going to see he breaks the bread. And at that point, they're like... This is this is Jesus. So it might, yeah, it might be could be either of those. I don't know if it's clear. I mean, Jesus's body is about to pass through a wall, so there's something different. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then they start talking about what has happened. They sort of explain to Jesus that this has happened. Um, some. That there's an empty tomb. What does Jesus then do?
2: I love the dramatic irony here of them explaining all of this stuff about how their wonderful leader is crushed and dead and everything's sad. And Jesus must just have been like, Hi. <laughs> um, so yeah, that happens. They explain all these things. And then he kind of rebukes them. Um, in verse 26, it says, Does not did he says to them did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So really he's saying, you should should know this. And then as you know, then they invite him, it's like there's several layers to their coming to understand. Um, They go to the village, he goes and has food with them. And then in verse 30 is like, and 31 is like the crunch moment, literally. And he gives thanks and breaks the bread and gives it to them. And at that moment, it says in verse 31, their eyes are opened, they recognize him. And then he disappears from their sight. And it's like, oh, the drama, you know, that moment where, because I guess, you know, in in a movie, you would see it with you, like he would break the bread. And then you would see him breaking bread at the Passover and you'd see his body broken on the cross and him breaking bread to the 5,000 multitude and you kind of see it all at once wouldn't you like it's like this moment of like oh, this is our bread breaking king and he's back boom cut.
0: I quite like to intellectualize a lot of stuff you know with my Hermione tendencies and um, what I really love about this is that <clears throat> the, the, about this section and the section before is that it shows that clear and accurate knowledge and knowing everything is useful but it doesn't save you it's not needful to salvation so there is this dramatic layering isn't there of everything that's going on you know the breaking of the bread everything that but there's also this you can know everything you want to know about the bible but there is something deeper than knowledge that is required and I wonder if that's that that first sixteen thing it requires a work of the Holy Spirit as well
1: um, and yeah. I think in
0: some ways that's helpful for us as we think about sharing. We can pack as much as we like into other people and tell them as many times as we like, but actually it's the Holy Spirit that needs to do the final
2: mm. and I love the gentleness mm. of Jesus here as he as we've seen all the way through the gospels he pursues us so like there's these two men who are potentially fleeing Jerusalem like or at least leaving very disheartened and like this is all over and yet Jesus and they're not significant like we've not heard of them before this point um and yet Jesus pursues them catches up with them and draws them in to himself again and we've seen that all the way through the gospel and that's what he wants for his lost sheep isn't it he wants he pursues us and he brings us home and opens our eyes and yeah you're right Helen there is an aspect in this of a miracle happens in their
0: hearts and their eyes Mm. and their minds. When they encounter him yes they encounter him physically but that's Jesus but what what is it that actually Jesus? Used, it's not Jesus seeing Jesus that brings them to a realization of, of brings them to faith. Effectively, it's Jesus explaining to them the scriptures. It's it's the word, and it's a break. the The Lord's Supper, effectively, you know, a reflection of the Supper. It's the word and the sacrament of the the Lord's Supper, and that those are some of the tools that God has used to bring people to him also to remind us of what it is that's gone on and they get up and go straight back to
2: Jerusalem at the end verse 33 so it's almost like a restoration of them back with God's people
0: yeah and and if they are are running from persecution or something awful that's happened they're willing to go back into that situation where they look you know where people are ridiculing them and potentially persecuting them in other ways and mm. yet after this encounter with jesus the word and um the the breaking of the bread they're willing to risk that and they walk straight back into the lion's den one of a day great
1: mm. i found that, that that um when they said we're not our hearts burning within us i find like even now sometimes when I read God's word it almost feels like that burning or that you know for I don't know if you guys get it as well just like a Mm -hmm. a real sense of um it being like I guess the spirit revealing to us that it's this is really true this is um this really happened and um yeah isn't my word powerful like that Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the third section. Do you guys have anything? (laughs) Um, And in this section, um, all the disciples are together in one room and suddenly Jesus appears amongst them. And he speaks to them. He speaks to them amongst their fears. um, And he eats with them, lets them touch his hands and his feet and um, he opens their eyes to see who, who it is in front of them and even expounds, he, he again talks through the scriptures and shares with them how, um, what he has done fulfills what has been written. So how are the disciples at this point when he appears amongst them?
0: What I really love is that he says, peace be with you, but then they're startled and frightened.
2: (laughs) I think he knows they're going to be like, hang on a second. The door is locked. And you just pass through the wall.
0: (laughs) I love that's the thing that freaked them out, not the fact that, you know, he's risen from the dead. You passed (laughs) through a wall. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I think all the things like, first of all, it's Jesus. Hang on, you're dead. You just passed through a wall. I think they probably literally thought (laughs) you were the ghost.
0: Yeah. And also, I guess there's an element of, oh my goodness, you're actually here with us. And Mm. yet we are the very people who forsook you and fled from you and didn't believe that you'd risen again. You know, a few Mm. hours ago, I didn't believe that this had happened and now you're standing right next to me, Mm. you know. And (laughs) again, like you said, gentleness a minute ago, Talked about the gentleness of Jesus. And I think this is just again another example of his gentleness. He's he's dealt so graciously and kindly with men who are weak.
2: And he he goes like again with the layers, like he goes through some, you know, some of the doubts they would have had is I guess this is is this a ghost? So he's like, Well, touch me. Um, so he showed them his hands and feet um and then he's like give me something to eat oh hang on no he doesn't say yeah he does verse 39 touch me and see and a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have and then he's like get me something to eat and you know ghosts don't eat food and things like that so again he's gently peeling back the layers of their doubt and being like I am not a ghost I am very much even more human than you (laughs) I like someone said once because I was like why does he pass through a wall and then I read or heard somewhere that you know Jesus's resurrection body was almost more real and physical than the wall like it kind of gives us a taste of the the resurrection what it will be like it's it's almost like what we have now is not even real enough um for what it will be
0: yeah and I as well as the the physical sort of see I'm here you can touch me look at me I can eat he then, in the second half of this section, says, "And see how the whole of the Old Testament is about me, mm. not just you know. You can see this with your own eyes. This is what has been talked about for thousands of years. For now, this is how everything you've been taught from a young age applies to me.
2: And he opens their minds, like it says in verse forty-five. Um, he opens their mind. He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures." Um, and it's, again, that layer of like, I don't think we're meant to think that the disciples are stupid or slow. I think there's an element of do you not understand yet from Jesus, but also there's an element of, OK, I'm going to give you that understanding now. Um, this is a spiritual opening of their minds. And then suddenly everything makes sense. And they're like, oh, you know, cause apparently in the gospels it's, he, he said it lots of times that he would rise again. And that, you know, but there is a kind of spiritual darkness there, which then gets lifted at this point.
0: But I also think, isn't that so encouraging and um, gives us hope. We're not, nobody's. we're not stupid. And yet there's so much we cannot see and cannot understand. And yet God kindly and graciously works on us so that we even after conversion and there's still things in the Bible that we just don't get or that we say "Oh, I I don't understand God why it has to be that way. How he gently and lovingly corrects us through his word um, and brings us to a point where our eyes are opened not only at the point of conversion but ongoing in our daily lives you know it's that element that that element of sanctification just on a daily basis slowly opening our eyes to more of our own sin to more of him Mm, yeah
2: um i liked what the uncover notes said which was importantly it wasn't just enough for the disciples to simply see the evidence their understanding of jesus had to change before they could accept what the evidence pointed to um And I guess, yeah, like we've talked about all through Uncover, like really we could have evidence thrown at us till we're blue in the face. Um, But it's really what do we think of Jesus and who he is? Um, And therefore, does he have a claim on my life? That's really where the rubber hits the road. Um, And I guess, yeah, that's a challenge for all of us, even Christians, like when we... I mean, I don't think the Uncover study goes into this much, but just how important it is that Jesus was resurrected. Like, this is the hinge of our faith. It's the crux of our faith, not just the cross, but the fact that he needed to rise again to show that sin was dealt with and that death was dealt with. Um, and yet yeah, again, like, who is he? He is the risen king. And that's really important for us. It matters.
0: I always remember in a sermon, um Jumpy saying, giving the example of when one of his boys does something wrong uh they need to get punished they need to be punished and so they get sent to their room so that was kind of the equivalent of the the crucifixion and and jesus's death you know they get sent to their room but when do we know that the forgiveness has truly happened when they're allowed back out of the room Mm. and that's the equivalent of the resurrection the punishment is the crucifixion but the forgiveness and the and the joy and the celebration afterwards is the removal, is the resurrection and the removing from the tomb, the removal of the child from the room are welcomed back into the fold.
2: Hmm. It's just a
0: helpful illustration.
2: Hmm. And it does, it's not just limited to this gospel. I mean, I would challenge anyone who is struggling with the resurrection to look at all four gospels and look at other evidence from other historians and like really look into it. I mean, read books like The Case for Christ and, and things like that and really grapple with this, but then also be prepared for a spiritual awakening too because it's, it's not going to happen until, yeah, until God opens eyes. I feel like my mistake often in just coming to the Bible full stop is that I'm like a head knowledge person, but sometimes you just got to let it reach your heart.
0: Yeah, I read a, a thing that said there's actually more evidence that the resurrection happened... Than there is that Julius Caesar actually existed as a person as we know him, and I'm I'm talking from experience. Before I became a Christian in my mid twenties, how much more readily I was willing to accept, <coughs> excuse me, that Julius Caesar existed and that everything I'd heard in all the stories was true, than I was about Jesus. Yeah, like so the evidence, you know, and if you think about the universe, evidence for some of the things that scientists say about universe, there's actually no evidence for it at all. And yet it's brought to us as fact. And yet here, not only in the Bible, but like Mary said, in so many other resources, does it point towards the resurrection being a historical fact?
1: Mm-hmm. And if it's
0: a historical fact, the impact for us is
1: just off the charts.
0: Yeah,
1: I think this is this is the point where the opening of eyes of the holy spirit is so so incredible as well because i think deep down we're all wanting in some way to be our own masters of our own lives and i think it's hard to surrender that to to someone else um it's hard to surrender that to this person jesus because it's much we're ever since the fall of creation we're all inbuilt wanting to be masters and to have something speak to us that's telling us to reshift that we've seen over and over again how the Pharisees struggled with that how even now the disciples have this evidence in front of them and they're like I'm not going to believe this whole bunch of all these women or I'm not gonna you know listening to the scriptures being told to them they're like they still haven't quite got it there and yet um Jesus is so gentle and he's like I'm gonna I've died for you turning away from me you being your own master and I am now setting you free from that and yeah, it's just that gentleness. He deals with the disciples here. He deals with us personally, because I feel like each day is still able to, of me wanting to be a master of my own life and um, my decisions, and then actually surrendering our lives. And um, yeah, even like here, it's very challenging to be able to share. Um, this good news with others but then just this reminder that Christ has risen from the dead and he is able to to open eyes and he is able to like close close eyes to not recognize him and yet you know if this is true we should be having this deep desire to just want to share freely and to find to seek opportunities to do so um because yeah he is he he is the one who has all the authority now and he's the only one who has um risen hmm. and
2: like I would if I was doing this study with um someone who was seeking or if I was a seeker listening to this I'd be challenging people to ask that Jesus will open their eyes I feel like it's not some magic thing you know he's kind and gentle and loving and you know throughout the gospels that's what we're meant to see about him he's merciful so I don't think it's meant to be this magic thing where Jesus is like I'm only going to open your eyes you know if you do this that and the other like he's not like that and if we ask him to open our eyes I don't know why I gave that voice to him but Um, I was gonna
0: say wow (laughs) Jesus is from North London who
2: knew that but I was saying that's not what he's like (laughs) so um well maybe he is (laughs) nothing against North Londoners um but anyway he yeah he he opens so many eyes he's so ready like the bible teaches like God longs for us to come to him so if we ask him he totally will and it's a miracle it's just beautiful miracle
0: it was juliet said earlier about how we like to be the master of our own lives struck me that when i speak to my friends who know well think they know a lot about what the bible says and think they know about jesus a lot of the time they're like i'm okay i'm loving my life i really don't mind if i don't have you know i don't mind if death is the end of it like why do i want anything more than this world because i'm quite satisfied with this one I struggle with that because I'm like, but what about watching other people suffer and struggle, even if you're not, what about watching other people suffer and struggle? What about poverty? What about injustice? Does that mean that you're okay with injustice in the world? You're okay with justice not being done in some cases. And I'm, I'm, and I'm speaking as somebody who, you know, I was an adult when I became a Christian. And so I can understand that, that mindset um but in some ways it makes me sad
1: that people don't long for more and that's a challenge for us I guess for us to long for more as well and that longing for more then shaping our lives as we yeah get more and more if our if our cup gets bigger and bigger of joy it's it's much easier to overflow out to those around us. Right, and so, so after Jesus has appeared to the disciples and let them touch his, his hands and um, they've seen him eat and he's shared with them how all the scriptures have been pointing to him, he then goes on to prepare them for a special gift that he has, which is um, the promise of the Holy Spirit and even gives them an encouragement to say that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. We'd love you to join us next week, but for now, bye. Bye. Bye.